Hello listeners and welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day, immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program that has a singular vision, to promote the health and well-being of veterans and their families. We are currently running programs both domestically on the Gold Coast at St. George's Defence Holiday Suites, as well as internationally in Timor-Leste. We use the Timor Awakening programs as an opportunity to sit down with our participants, either one-on-one or in a group setting, and conduct podcast interviews to capture their stories and their lessons learned, providing insights we can all learn from as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journeys and help others do the same. We'll be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, peer mentoring, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. So whether you're out and about, listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll get a lot out of listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the uh, next round of podcast interviews. This is a little bit of a different program this time. We're actually on a... uh, Veterans Retreat, mm-hmm. and um, sitting down with me, first cabs off the rank, is Justin Ansel and Katrina Wood. How are you guys going? Good, thanks. Good oh, evening. fantastic. Good to have you guys here, and um, you know, we've, uh, we're a couple of days into the program now, and originally we didn't have podcasts scheduled into the program, so we are kind of doing them of an evening, and I thank you guys for giving me some of your time. And um, the unique thing about you guys is uh, you are both ex-Navy. We don't get a lot of ex-Navy people on the program, so we're really interested to hear your guys' insights. Obviously, being uh, a couple, I don't know much about your background, whether you met in RAN or what the case may be, but we'll we'll delve into that as we go (laughs) through. So, uh, yeah, I guess just first and foremost, um, start with yourself, Justin. Um, Yeah, just a little bit about your your military background, what that entailed, sort of where you went and when you got out and sort of what the reasons behind that was, and then we'll we'll go to Katrina. Right. um, So I started off in Naval Reserves up in Brisbane. Yep. uh, As actually a, a... a seaman, uh, a quartermaster gunner, okay. um, which then transitioned over to a bosun's mate yeah, when, they, when they changed the ratings. Yep. Uh, and I did that for five years while I was going through uni um, at the University of Queensland. Once I finished my um, degree, um, I we got a Bachelor of Science, science. In, yep. um, majored sense. in psychology. Uh, once I'd finished that, uh, I was looking to join the Navy full time. Yep. And I joined up as an officer, a seaman officer. Uh, did that for uh, six and a half years. Uh, started, uh, uh, I did, uh, as I said, a seaman officer. I was air, an air intercept controller, which is air battle management. Okay. Um, of course, I did through the RAAF. Yep. Uh, and then just before I left the Navy, I was doing principal warfare officer course. Which uh, is pretty complex. From what yeah, I yep. so I got about halfway through that and then... Uh, for a range of reasons, uh, pulled off the course and then um, at some point then decided to leave the Navy. Uh, I bounced around for probably a number of months, probably six months or so, where I didn't find anything. There wasn't much of a transition program when I left, which was uh, roughly 20 years ago. Oh, okay, so you've been out quite a while. Yeah, right. yeah, yep. And uh, so then I ended up doing probably another year and a half, two years of more reserve work yep. um, in the maritime headquarters down in Sydney. Mm-hmm. 
and then finally decided to get my act together a little bit and start looking for other work. Uh, ended up in uh, initially in universities. Yep. Uh, worked for the University of um, yeah, University of Technology, Sydney. Um, working in their housing section, their student housing section. All right. Okay. Um, so that was that was sort of my first taster of getting into working for universities. Mm. Uh, eventually, Katrina was still in the Navy at that point, um, and we decided to, um, at some point, leave and have children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, Katrina decided to leave. <laughs> I'd already gone, so yeah. she she decided uh, we, we were going to have kids, and at that point, we both decided um, we'd, we'd move back to Brisbane, where mm-hmm. I was from originally, mm-hmm. where my parents are from. Okay. Um, and since then, I've sort of bounced around uh, in a number of different sort of careers. Mm. I worked. I went back and worked for Defence for a joint logistics unit for a while, yep. um, and then came back to universities and been working steadily for universities since about two thousand and eight. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. that's quite interesting. Uh, interesting story. Yeah, yeah. yeah different roles yeah. Um, within the universities. Uh, it's been sort of a great career while I've. While I've done that, mm. it's been eye opening. And so, how long were you in full time Navy for? In total, uh, so six and a half, close to seven years. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. I started off um, as I said, I was a seaman officer. Mm. I started off in patrol boats after I'd done my initial training, yep. uh, and that was mostly out of um, Cairns. We spent most of our time uh, patrolling between Thursday Island and Darwin, okay. and picking up illegal fishermen. So. Uh, once we got up there, we stayed up there. North. Mm-hmm. Once we crossed over into um, uh, Northern Command, we they pretty much poached us, and we stayed there for months. So yeah, I right. spe- probably spent more time in Darwin <laughs> than Cairns when I was posted patrol boats. But yeah, that was all illegal fishermen. Yeah. Uh, back then, um, after I finished that, I got my I got my ticket on patrol boats, um, which is basically a ticket to drive. Yep. Um, to, to be an officer watch on a uh, patrol boat, which mm. is basically navigation, a little bit of warfare, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I then moved down to um, to major warships, so moved down to HMAS Sydney, down in, uh, down in Sydney at the Fleet Base East, yep. um, and then went through a number of postings uh, through a number of warships, so Sydney, um, HMAS Hobart, which was the... Old destroyer before it paid off, uh, HMAS Newcastle, which is the ship I did a deployment to East Timor on. Um, what year was that? So that was ninety nine oh, two thousand. So yeah, we got we got up there in December. Yeah, uh, uh, ninety nine uh, to the Akusi Enclave. So ah, basically, okay, you end up there. Yeah, yeah. So, so around so the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sat off the coast. Of Akusi for then basically two and a half months yep. uh, until mid February, and uh, my role up there was essentially uh, being the li- liaison officer for the ship with three RAR yeah. and my old battalion. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't yeah. in the army at that point, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when the ship and, and look, we were we were just basically sitting off the coast, um, doing a little bit of operational stuff, but you know you've got a crew of over two hundred. Uh, of 200 people and uh, when you're just cruising up a, up and down the mm. coast of Akusi, which isn't that large, mm. as you can imagine, you're turning around a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the crew, we needed to keep them occupied um, and, and to do something uh, good. My, my role is to 
uh, liaise with 3RIR to find projects for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so essentially we had uh, numbers of crew go ashore each day and build hospitals, schools, or rebuild hospitals mm-hmm. and schools uh, because when we got to Okasi, obviously yeah, they were just... destroyed. Yep. Yeah, burnt to the ground. Yeah, yep, yep. So, yeah. Interesting story. I think just before we quickly uh, go to Katrina, one of the things I noticed about when I do talk to Navy folks is that in some ways you got you guys are more operational because you know when the army goes overseas it's a big deal like you're going all the way over to Afghanistan yep. it's very yep. deliberate whereas you know maritime security and things like that is a constant ongoing beast it's not yep. a it's not something that comes with the seasonal change of whatever political sort of foreign policy we're attaching ourselves to it's always happening yeah, so yeah. guys are on, on the yeah. job all the time yeah you're always deploying on operations yeah. uh, like when i was posted to uh two two ships i was away you know nine months out of every year mm. which mm. wasn't nine months in one hit it'd be three months here maybe six months then you'd come back you'd be ashore for you know or, or alongside for t- mm. two months and then you'd go for a week yeah. two weeks three weeks um, so when you counted that up, it was three months. Uh, sorry, nine months out of every year. But, uh, yeah, we were constantly deploying up into Southeast Asia, you know, Singapore, Philippines, yeah. China, um, wow. Japan, Korea. Uh, always, we were always going on operations. So mm-hmm. being away from Australia was probably more normal than, than being in Australia at, at some level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's such a different lifestyle because it's like you guys are away all the time yeah you know i mean yep. army might go away for a two-week exercise but then you're back yeah. you know what are the case month tops month would be like the culminating activity for the for the year type thing but uh yeah all right thanks that all right yep. we might throw to katrina tell us a little about your uh, your background and i'm keen to know how you guys ended up meeting and all that kind of stuff yeah sure well I'm a bit more of an accidental recruit into the Navy <laughs> than Justin who had quite a quite a plan uh-huh. um when i was in year 12 my mum just heard an advert on the radio and I didn't have any other grand plans, so mm-hmm. I just went along to the recruiting officer and just kind of kept going through the process. Mm-hmm. I do remember at one stage, one of the early interviews, they're showing me pictures of all these different ships and they're like, you know, tell me what you know about these things. I'm like, I know nothing about these things. And uh, the recruiter basically said, well, I'm going to recommend you only because of your year 12 results, but no <laughs> other reason. Um but anyway, so I ended up, I did. I got all the way through um, and I went through ADFA and I was a supply officer in the Navy. And actually on more than one occasion it was my role or they did tests of like, look at these ships and tell me what they are. And I don't think I improved at any point <laughs> in my entire visual career. Rec- vi- yeah. Visual recognition wasn't your thing? No, it was not my thing at all. And in, in, at one stage it actually was my job to sort of be up top of the ship when you're passing other ships in ceremonial kind of points of view and you had to go oh yeah that's that ship but luckily I had very competent sailors that would be like ma'am this is what you need to say and this is what it is and yes it's quite a thing like officers rely very much on competent sailors to make them (laughs) look good um but yeah so I had a lot of fun at ADFA for three years um and then I undertook my supply officer training and was really lucky to actually do some quite interesting roles. I was with HMS Platypus, which was the submarine base in North Sydney, whilst that closed down. So cool. I looked after two of the old O-boats as they, one of them retired and one of them was transiting over to, to the west and then we shut down Platypus. So that was quite good that's fun. That's the Oberon, is that right? Yeah, yep. that's right. Yep. Um, and from there I spent some time with the clearance diving team as well as a logistics officer. Um and then I guess probably the, the peak of my career was as Deputy Supply Officer as HMS Sydney um, heading over to Iraq in 2003. So oh, That's right. Yeah. That's the Iraqi freedom, like right in the early days of yeah, yes. Iraq yep. too, essentially. Yeah, yeah so I, I sort of – I describe my time over there as um, 
you know, like there was all the chaos mm. and then um, I think President Bush said we've won and there was like a little lull for a while before it all went south Mission again. Mission accomplished. I was there in the lulls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I left after 10 years when I was pregnant with my first child and we moved up to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got three children now and like I know how long ago it was that we moved to Brisbane because my eldest child is 18 and we had her up there. Um, and then I moved into, I guess, some government work and universities. Yeah, right. Fantastic. And so at what point in that journey did you guys cross paths? How did that happen? Oh, quite early on, really. Yeah. Um, at the start of my second year at ADFA, um, because ADFA is all very like army, army, they, they do chunks of time where they send you off on your single service training. And I was on a training cruise from Perth, which is my hometown, on HMS Torrens, so there was a really small bunch of us ad for midshipmen on there, and there was a small collection of um, seamen officer training. So yeah, I was I was doing my uh, one of my final phases of uh, seamen officer training, which is basically mm. navigation exercises. So we got on HMS Torrens yeah. in in Perth, and mm. then we sailed around, and we were doing all sorts of na- astro navigation from. Uh, so that's navigation of the stars, stars using yep. sextants and that type of thing yep. from from Perth to uh, Tasmania, and then once once we got to uh, Tasmania, we were doing uh, all our navigation training through the Don Tricasto Channel, which wow. is between um, sort of just south of Hobart through and, and between Ho- um, the mainland of Tasmania and uh, and Bruny Island. So it's pretty narrow. So they love going down there for navigation training because you can run the ships up and down all day. Yeah, right. just you know, um, taking fixes and, and all the navigation stuff and planning navigation. So, mm. yeah, that's um, – so that's – I was on a training cruise as well, so we met on that. Um, and then we basically uh, straight after not, – well, not long after that, I finished my seaman officer training and I got posted to patrol boats, as I said before. Um, but we just sort of kept in touch because mm. um, Kat was still at uh, ADVA at that stage. So we, we just kept in touch all the time. I, I, I was phoning her. Um, lots of letters. Lots of letters because uh, no email back in no, those days. Say, and this would have been when, uh, you know, it was expensive to send a text, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a dollar yeah. a text or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, there, and there was no email. Um, so, yeah, there was uh, we were just sending lots of letters and, yep. and texts uh, or occasional of, um, and phone calls and that type of thing. and. Mm. We got uh, kept in touch and then sort of once I moved back to Sydney, then we just sort of developed our relationships that de- developed from there. Mm. The rest is history. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Here you are. Fantastic. Yep. And uh, there's a couple of sort of more contemporary parts of what you guys are up to I want to delve into in, in a second. But I guess looking back on those years of the Navy, you know, it was part of your life. It would have been pretty much, you know, everything you lived and breathed. What sort of... What comes to mind or what feelings come up when you look back on it? Is it, is it positive? Is it negative? Is it nostalgic? Is it, how do you feel? I mean, I have to say uh, that for me there's a, lot of, there's a lot of positives that I can see there. Um, when, when, I, when I do look back, I, I, a lot of my friends are still you know, in the Navy um, and, and I've, I've met so, you know, great people. I had great, great times. But for whatever reason, there were there were small things that happened during my service. When I initially left, I I can say I was I was really, and you know I couldn't identify one thing or another, and I didn't even know it myself. But when I first left, I think I was I was really angry, um, and I'm not sure I'm not sure why, but but you Cat was the one who really pointed that out to me at at, at various points. Like for some reason, you're just 
you're just angry. Mm. Um, that's faded over time, and and now I see the overall, the overall bulk of that experience is really positive. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things. That you see s- small things; they they just slowly build up on you, and and mm. and, and you don't notice them. And at the time, I would if, if you'd asked me when I first left in in you know in about two thousand and two, I would have I would have just been completely negative. But uh, now I look back on it, and I can see all the positive aspects yep. and and the friends I've made and the friends I've kept. Yep. Um, mm. And they mean they mean a lot to me. Mm. Um, so it's changed over time. Is yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. And, and sort of given that that has been two decades ago, has there been any sort of um, self-reflection or reflection on your career that has brought to light what the source of that anger was? Oh, sources? Yeah, I guess it was... There were various incidents with um, with certain commanding officers in, <laughs> in, in my service. Um, not, not me. I guess that, that, that there were incidents personally, but, but those commanding officers had greater greater problems in including one on HMI Sydney who got removed from command mm. um, and then there were re- repercussions for the whole ship from that okay. uh, well, for the for the officers on the ship and, and you know being one of the more sort of one, one of the one of the seamen officers you, you kind of you kind of wear it along the yep. along the way for not raising some of these issues at the time I, I, I thought you know it's because we got basically we got um, this is my reflection. Mm. It probably is not reality, but at the time I thought we got um, we we got reamed out by the chief of navy and maritime commander um, for for not reporting incidents that we knew about or or things that we saw as as officers um, that we should have reported. In hindsight, when you when you look back over twenty years and you've got a lot more experience mm. and and you've got a lot of you you've got more maturity, yeah, you can see. There's some aspects of that you can see. Yeah, yeah, you were right. And then there was more as from our from my deployment on uh, to Timor. There were a number of aspects of that deployment um, on the ship with the CO and XO that didn't go necessarily well. Um, we had some issues with uh, that, that that occurred with sailors, including losing a sailor sailor overboard for a short time on yeah. our way back into Sydney. Luckily, we found her, um, yeah. uh, but uh, there was just a whole range of incidents that that once again built up the accumulation. And, and that was one yeah, of the themes yeah. of today, wasn't it? Or yeah. when, it, when it was yesterday, it's like what well, was this morning? There's the frog in the in the increasing heating water. You throw the frog in. The, it's an old metaphor, but you throw it straight into a pot of boiling water it's going to bounce straight back out yep. and, and run away but uh, you put it in a cool one and slowly heat it up it won't realize it's getting to that point yeah yeah exactly yeah. and and that's and that's i guess that's where i ended up mm. just in a mm. completely negative uh yep. mindset that probably didn't reflect reality to to a, to a certain degree but uh that's yeah. just where i ended up and 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 that's where i left the navy i was just so so angry yeah um but like I said, once you get a little bit of time and distance, mm. you, you get that you, you can reflect on those those yeah. issues and see where you know some of the some of those things are still um, can be a thorn in your side. You know, you, you still feel them, but um, but other things you can see the overwhelming positivity of a lot of other things you did mm. and the mm. people you met. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's 
mixed bag, isn't it? It's yep. really consistent, I think, across the board. It's like when people, I think when, PT, not entirely, but a lot of the, the angst and the mental difficulties, to whatever extent they may be, that people have post-defence life, regardless of service, it always seems to be about the other people in defence. You know, it's, it's, you've got some great commanders, you've got some terrible commanders, you have some great subordinates, you have some terrible ones, but it always seems to be, like when, when guys are stressed about Afghanistan, they're not thinking, gee, I hate the Taliban. You know what I mean? They're thinking, because the Taliban was the, the enemy at the time, yep, that yep. was expected that they were going to be shooting at him and doing nasty things and stuff like that. But it's more about the culture and the, the people you had to work alongside and with that seems to be the source of most of the... The issues, it's like yeah. how, how were yeah. things handled or not yes. handled. This seems to be a bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. What about yourself in terms of looking back on the on those days? I just had a lot of fun, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> You're more the optimist. That's right. I don't carry any trauma from my time. I yeah. just really yeah. enjoyed myself. I, I mean, yeah. it's it's obviously the people. I think that that would be most everyone's highlight from from their service is is the people. And I'm lucky to still be close to you know a few a few of those friends yep. that I would count amongst my very close friends. Mm. Um. Yeah, I just had a lot of fun. Like, I, I mean, I probably sound yeah. a bit ditzy, but like, I, you know, I did my job. I did my job well, at least most of the time when I wasn't having to identify ships. I was a supply <laughs> officer, truly. That wasn't my job. Um, you know, I did it well. I enjoyed it. I got yep. to do some fun things. Uh, I think for me, the end sort of came because I wanted to have a family. Yeah. Um, and we were thinking, you know, moving up to Brisbane and there's not really postings here. Like, my only regret is is possibly not advocating for myself as much as like you know now looking back you can kind of see oh i could have pushed a lot harder yeah. but at the time a poster says no and i go oh okay that's it sort of thing yeah um but yeah no i just have overwhelmingly mm. positive sort of feelings about it but it feels like such a long time yeah, ago yeah and i think you know maybe because maybe because it was positive um and nice and so long ago sort of I've not felt a connection to the veteran community at all. Going on Timor Awakening for me was very much about Justin and, okay. and doing something for him. And it's been uh, – yeah, so it's been sort of surprising reconnecting with the veteran community and sometimes feeling almost fraudulent because you're yeah. – you know, oh, gosh, can't tell you, like, army, army, army when we're over in Timor. Like, oh, yeah. look, I dug a hole here. Gosh, I've <laughs> yeah. this hole and dug another hole here. Yeah, well, no one would have gotten there if it wasn't for Navy <laughs> because uh, not, even, not even three RER jumped in, <laughs> much to the begrudgedness of the guys who were in at the time. So nothing yeah. would have happened without um, ships and boats. And yeah, stuff. but it just – I guess it was it, – it sort of – there was parts of it that felt really familiar being with a bunch of veterans veterans like camaraderie and all that kind of stuff but it also just felt really distant for me yeah. um but it is nice to sort of have a community even if mm. i don't necessarily connect so much on on the service side of things yeah, with people yeah, yeah. well i appreciate that and that kind of leads me to the next question is what did bring you guys and you've partially answered yourself but what did originally bring you to vca and Timor awakening because you did the most recent one in country is that right Yep, yeah, that's correct. And, that. how, uh, we did TA21. Yep, yep. So part of uh, the reason is we had a friend who'd, who'd done a previous Timor Awakening mm. um, who lives just around a corner from us and uh, he'd, uh, he'd gone on the course and had been really transformational for him. Yep. And he'd been pushing us for years um, because he did it, what, three or four years ago? It, was, it was quite some time ago. Yeah, yeah. and he'd been... I probably been, know him. It was, uh, it was uh, Mark Keaton. Mark, I knew you were going to say Mark yeah. Keaton. Submariner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Submariner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Mark. Uh, so, so, yeah. so Mark lives lives around corner from us. Yep. Um, been a great friend for many years, yep. and uh, he'd just been pushing us for a number of years. You've got to go on this. It's mm. transformational. It's it's been great. He had and a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just and and for whatever reason, I um, like a lot of things I have up until 
I've done to TA um, mm. was my, my my mindset was always oh, just well part of the I've, I, I, I'm a bit like cat you kind of feel a bit fraudulent you know I, I don't have I don't have PTSD I don't have um, you know the, there's issues that I obviously need to work on but I don't have the deep-seated trauma that I think some other people do and mm. and so you don't feel like I can benefit of out of this as much of a, uh, as other people mm. and plus you also come up with excuses you know there's always work there's there's yep. there's kids there's yep. you just come up with excuses and i think finally i i got to a point um i got to a point at the start of last uh or this year where where mark had just pestered me again <laughs> in a good way mm. uh and i think i just came to a realisation I was just ready to do something to try to change something yep. in my life because I, it wasn't just necessarily going in the in the way I wanted. Mm, mm. Um, and so, yeah, I put in the application. Uh, thankfully, we were, we were both successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to, go on, to go on the TA course for me was, was not necessarily about going to Timor, mm. um, which was great. I mean, we didn't go to any. I mean, other than, you know, I made a short stop in Dili on the way to Akusi and and on the way back to to Australia, but yeah, none of the places we went were the places I went in in Timor. But that didn't matter. Yeah, and I didn't necessarily need to go back to Timor to do that. But the experience of going to Timor and seeing how it's transformed and also the, the way the program is run. Um, was just transformational for me, yep, yep. Um, and has encouraged me to then start taking other steps for for where I'm going now. Yeah, fantastic. Well, yep. it's very common that we hear that is that people think, oh, you know, I'm not, you know, I wasn't there in the early days, or I never deployed, or which is not the case. You you did deploy, but we get such a, a range of people. We get people who are army, we get people who are not army, we get people who are frontline and and combat corps we get people who are not combat corps we get people special forces are not we get people who never deployed at all and all of that is fine because everybody's journey is completely yep. different yep. you know and we get people who have, you know were around during the vietnam era who still feel like they're transitioning because yep. there's yep. no support networks back then yep. you know and it's however many years later 50 years later or something and they still feel like they're there still feel like a a young digger who's just got out of the army back in 1969 or something you know yeah so. and, I, and i think that that's a reflection of and that's something I learnt along the mm. way. Mm. You don't necessarily you you don't necessarily need to have deep seated trauma, and and I mean this will help you if you do, but you know you've all experienced something in, yeah. in your journey yep. that that, and we can all we can all improve in little ways in our life. Yep. Um, and that's that's the kind of thing I'm taking away from mm. from these programs is, I can improve in little ways in my life that'll help me. That'll help my wife, my kids, my community, mm. um, and you know you don't have to have all of our journeys and and all the traumas we suffered may be um, different. Um, they may affect you in different ways. Mm. They may the same thing I experience might um, affect you more than than it affects me. Yep. Um, but at some we can all we can all improve. We can all live a better life. Yep. Yep. And we don't have to wait for it to get to that point either. No, That's the thing. No. Like you can sort of deal with something when it's a three out of ten problem so it doesn't become yep. a nine out of ten, ten problem. problem you know what yep. i mean it doesn't have to get to that point and 
it doesn't. It's not as if only the big things are worth trying to solve either, because yeah. it's often little things, lots of little things that are worth addressing because they all add up in your life. You yeah. I mean? yeah. So um, no, thank you for that. I guess um, moving forward to sort of the now, um, I mean, Gary sort of mentioned to me that you guys are. Well, you've already said in the interview that you're quite involved with universities and so forth. But um, tell me about is it ACU? Yep. Tell so me about what your involvement that is and what they're sort of doing. Because I wasn't aware at all. Um, and either one of you is fine. You just jump in. No, yeah. no, no. So yeah. I'll, I'll just say we both we both ended up at universities. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both at different points. Um, yeah. We work in completely different areas. Uh, we, 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 we worked for different universities at different points as well. Yep. Um, but we've, we've both ended up um, working at universities, learning a lot about the university thing. It's, it's kind of like veterans programs. Mm. You don't know unless you, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know. If you're not aware of a program without someone else prompting you, you don't know that the, this program exists. That's right. Um, and, and similarly with universities, if you don't know these things that can assist you in your journey in a university, mm. you just don't know unless someone's able to tell you and, and yeah. push that information forward, which yeah. is where I hand over to Kat <laughs> because she actually works in the admissions area of Australian Catholic University um, and she can tell you more about that. I can tell you more. <laughs> so I've worked in universities for quite some time as well, three different universities in a variety of roles. Yep. Um, one of my significant roles was with a careers service for students. So I had the privilege of working with some really amazing career counsellors and putting in place a lot of experiential uh, practical programs for students to build um, employability skills. And that, um, I guess that's sort of just given me like a lot of information and a lot of I guess, insight into like what it's like to be a student, particularly young people, like building skills and, you know, having career goals. And more recently, I've, I've come to work at Australian Catholic University in their admissions sector. So I'm the National Manager of Direct Admissions at ACU, mm-hmm. which is um, all about, like I said, helping people like get admitted to universities. So that's my role. And one of the things that I'm really proud of at ACU is... Um, our veterans entry program. So there's actually ACU has um, has I guess decided that you know veterans is a is a is a, a cohort of people that we want to support. So ACU, Australian Catholic University, has a very mission sort of focus yep. to it. Um, and so one of the programs that I've helped to put together is around veterans entry um, and assisting veterans, so current serving or ex serving um, people, and also their families mm. access university study. Because a lot of a lot of what's it's really tricky is a lot of information, particularly around that undergraduate space, bachelor space, is so targeted at high school students, right? right? Yeah. And if yeah. you're a veteran that you know left high school high was school often a long time ago, a long time ago, <laughs> yeah. or maybe you didn't, you know, you didn't do well in year twelve, or maybe you didn't even do year twelve. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're thinking about study, or maybe you're not even thinking that university study is an option for you, but it really is. There's yeah. actually lots of ways to get into university. But the information's just not really out there and it's kind of hard to understand um, unless you're in that space. Yeah, so we've created this program which actually tries to simplify it because essentially um, when you start looking at undergraduate programs like bachelor programs, um, your experience in the service can actually get you an entry rank. So you might have heard of like ATARs and entry ranks when people talk about that. As, um, actually, I actually have not, I'm sorry. I oh. have to forgive my ignorance. Okay, yeah, yeah. so um, often like if you're looking to getting into a bachelor course, you might hear like, oh, that course is like you need an entry rank of 80. Oh, okay, you need an gotcha. ATAR yeah, of yeah. 80, which is typically what you're talking about is like your ATAR is your year 12 exams, right? Mm-hmm. But actually anyone can get given an entry rank and service people can on their service get an entry rank. So at ACU, 
if you've done two years of full-time service mm. in the Defence Forces, you actually get an, an entry rank of 82. So when you're looking at university courses, all their websites will say what their entry rank is. Mm. And 82 is a really good entry rank. It okay. can get you into lots of courses in lots of places. Yep. But people don't know about it. So our program kind of tries to make it really easy by mm. saying, you give us your service record and tell us what courses you're interested in and we can help decide or we can help determine what your entry rank is mm. um, and whether you're eligible for that course and then make you an offer and make it kind of simple. So cool. that's one of the things they're doing. And then, you know, because I'm the admissions side of things, we then hand over to this really amazing um, student veteran support program that we have, mm. which is all about looking after the students actually once they enter university and one of the amazing programs that they do is this transition program, which is all about study skills. Because if you haven't, mm. been at, you know, you haven't, if you haven't just done year 12 last year, um, you know, it might be a really long time <laughs> yeah. since you've had to write an essay or think about, oh, my God, how does the library work and how does referencing work and what the heck are these assignments? Mm. So we have this wonderful program that's actually, it's run by veterans um, and, you know, academic staff come on board and they just teach you these skills because we actually... We want success yeah. for, for our veterans. We want them. We yeah. want them to know that they can come to university, but also once they're at university, they can get support while they're here. So they're not going to be in a situation where they feel silly. No, that's exactly doing right. Doing the grassroots stuff first. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So yeah. you know, so we've got this really wonderful program that I'm very, very proud of. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just the starting point of it, <laughs> but it's, it's really wonderful. So yeah. so yeah, I was just going to add to that. Um, Partially why ACU's got into the space is they've had a really strong connection through the vet to the to the veteran space through um, General Peter Cosgro Cosgrove, okay. who was the Chancellor of the University uh, for a number go. of years. Gotcha. So they've really they've really embraced it as as some uh, as an area they're, mm. they're you know looking after, um, chasing in a way mm. to because they think you know they're leading uh, the area. Uh, to assist veterans in in transitioning to university and and moving them on to the next career, such a such a good initiative. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, and yeah. you know they do like a lot of outreach. And I was just up in Townsville a month ago because we've opened a leadership centre there, and we were basically um, we we ran a whole week full of events that um, people on base up there like. They were mostly currently serving uh, members, but might, some of them were looking at transitioning. Some of them, you know, were like in that kind of process. And some of them were just young guys and girls who were just like, well, this isn't going to be forever. I'm yeah. not going to be in the army forever. So I want to start thinking now about what comes next. Um, and just, I guess, you know, sort of raising that aspiration or at least just saying, hey, this is actually possible. There yeah. were so many of them that were there that were like... I think some of them were there because I got the afternoon off work, right, <laughs> to come to our session. <laughs> but they were like, oh, what? I can do this? Like, yeah. it's as simple as you're making it sound. And it's like, yeah, it is. And wow. it's, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful, like, you know, university education is a wonderful thing in terms of your own development and Absolutely. growth to have that knowledge. But in terms of career planning as well, you can take um, – you know, the work that you've been doing in the service can actually inform your learning and then your qualification plus that experience can lead you on to the next thing. Yeah. So it's a really positive space to be working in. That's awesome. That's awesome. And for you, by getting so ACU, does it have a principal campus somewhere or is it a, sort of a few of them around the country or how does it work? Yeah, so ACU, um, and one of the reasons why ACU has been able to make a success of this is we're, we're a national university. So yeah. we've got campuses in Brisbane and in Sydney and in Canberra and in Melbourne and Ballarat and... Rome and online and those sorts of things so for mm. us um 
you know, it's I guess it's easier for us to connect with defence communities because often if people are still serving and moving around, they have options to continue their study with us on different campuses. Makes sense. Yep. But, I mean, my message would be it's not just ACU. We've got this wonderful program to help students. Yeah. But, you know, most universities, you know, the, the same eligibility criteria apply. So mm. it's not just ACU. It's just that we're, we're quite good at like helping you, mm. the veteran community, to access it. But yeah. I would be, I would be a proponent of like all universities and all tertiary education in that sense. You be, you would be a proponent of them doing, it or they are already doing. It? Um, I'd be a proponent of them helping veterans okay. a lot more than they, they do. Yeah, yeah. But um, the the things that we offer to the veteran community, like our transition programs, are something that we do special. But in my area, the admissions area, I'm just making it simpler for a veteran. I'm not actually doing something extra special. I'm not changing the rules for them. Mm. What they can actually get through ACU in terms of getting an entry rank, they can actually get at any university or applying through a tertiary admission centre like a QTAC or a VTAC. Mm. It's just that we try to make it simpler and actually provide a bit more personal help. That's good. That's a good feature. And you did mention online. Tell us about that just briefly. briefly. Is that a lot of courses are offered online these days? Uh, Way more. um, It's it's becoming much, much more common. Um, In the postgraduate space, lots of online courses. In the undergraduate space, like the bachelor sort of space, it's a bit of a mix. So you'll get some online, some on campus and some that are a combination. So there might be components, like if you're a nurse or something like that, there might be like lab work on campus, but there'll be some units you can do online. Amazing. Fantastic. But yeah, definitely you can start online. And then transition to yeah. a, to a campus yeah. environment if that's yeah. if that's where you are at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like you're not physically near one of our campuses, so you can start a some of our um, degrees online. And then once you move down to Brisbane or Sydney or Melbourne, you can you can then transition that onto the on campus experience. Fantastic! Well, what an awesome initiative. I mean, I, I can guarantee there's will be a lot of people not only on this program but listening to this that wouldn't be aware that this even exists. I know I wasn't. So, um, no, thank you for sharing that. really appreciate it. And, um, well, look, um, I think that's uh, probably enough for this chat. I think we'll probably need to um, to move on ahead. But before we do think about wrapping up, um, anything, I, anything I've missed or anything you sort of wanted to share f- about the program or anything about your sort of journey in general that maybe someone listening to this who has been in a similar situation or might be sort of thinking about what's next for them, uh, anything else I might have missed? I guess the two takeaways, uh, I, I'd like someone to walk away from this, um, aside from the university thing, which is you know, one of the big Incredible. takeaways. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think from, from my own experience is, is uh, the first one is it doesn't matter where you're at and, and what you think the size of your, tra- your trauma is or, or whether you think you're worthy or not, mm. you can make some change in, in your life by coming on this program. Mm. And the second thing I'd like to do is just encourage any um, anyone who's in the Navy, transitioning from the Navy or, or ex-Navy, mm-hmm. who would like to come on this program, um, whether you served in Timor or not, um, whether you do the domestic program or the Timor Awakening program in Timor, uh, I'd encourage you to put in an application, an EOI, and come on these programs because uh, whichever one you do, you'll find some gem Mm. Um, mm. some nugget that will help you, um, potentially your family, your friends, and you'll take away something that's transformational. Absolutely. Thanks so much for sharing that. And you're absolutely right because the more you work on yourself, the more it affects everyone else around you, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Love it. Any last things for yourself, Katrina? 
Uh, no, I'd only, I'd only add that yeah. I think you can be at, at any kind of place and get something out of it. The personal development, I think, is appropriate to everyone. Yep, yep. Fantastic. Katrina, Justin, thank you so much for your time, guys. I look forward to seeing you over the next couple of days while we still have some um, meat left in the program. Yep. Thanks All right, guys, thanks, thanks so much. Michael. All right, bye for now. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And if you do have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do, of course, encourage you to share this podcast out to anyone who you feel may benefit from it. Thank you so much, and we look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast. Bye for now.